Take a knee, take a seat, grab a brew, and listen in. This is the Reorg Podcast. And here we are for episode 12 of the Real Podcast. This is the first, my first attempt at the Skype podcast uh, online uh, due to the lockdown. About halfway through, I come up with some technical issues, so you just bear that in mind. Uh, just go with it. Uh, this this week's guest, or this episode's guest, is my mate Martin Jones. He was in the Coldstream Guards. Uh, he now lives in America, so there was a time difference, and you know, you'll hear in the podcast, he's actually getting his breakfast while we're on the podcast. So yeah, so hope you enjoy, and here it is. Happy to. Right, and here we are. Um, Martin, if you want to give a little introduction to yourself, uh, why you joined the army, when you joined the army, etc. Um, from Sheffield. Where from? Yeah. 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 <laughs> from Sheffield. Um, joined the army at sixteen. Well, signed on at sixteen and seven months. <clears throat> um, always wanted to join the army. There was no nothing else. I didn't want to be an astronaut. I wouldn't fit in a spacesuit, but um, <laughs> didn't want to be a football player. Didn't want to be anything else except the army. Um, and that's partly because my granddad um, was in, my grandpa was in, and mm-hmm. it's a family thing. Um, though they all joined better regiments. So I uh, went down the recruitment office. Um, Lance Sergeant Banks got his hooks into me first. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in the army. Um, mm-hmm. and ended up signing on to the Coldstream Guards. Um, it wasn't until kind of halfway through basic training that I realized that they were the guys that wore the bearskins. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a bit of a shock. But um, yeah, signed up, uh, went up, up, had to go all the way up to Scotland, Glen Course, mm-hmm. to do that mile and a half and um, uh, the way in and all that kind of stuff, which between you and me, I failed the first weigh-in. No, not surprised me. Wow. I mean, I almost, I almost I, did. I, I, they, they looked at me because my BMI was over the recommended. I was like, he was like, oh, mate, you're too heavy. I was like, yeah, but I'm not fat, am I? Yeah, you're massive. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, what, what, yeah. so you failed the first one. Did you go so, again? Or fa- yeah, failed, again? Failed, failed the first one. Uh, they sent Do me back. Fat bastard. Yeah, pretty much it. I had to eat um, fruit and fiber bars is what I really remember from that. I lived off fruit and fiber bars. Um, and then went back up to Glen Course. That was fine. And then um, went to Cat. There wasn't that much of a gap. I only had a couple of weeks until I went straight to Catrick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, how well you remember Catrick, but you had like the Helly's Barracks was the yeah, northern one. Vimy. Vimy. And Vimy. Was it the other yeah. way around? <clears throat> no, Helly was at the top and Vimy was yeah. you guys. Paris. So the Paris Gurkhas and Guards are in Vimy. Yeah. However, we our platoon was not. We were up in, in yours. So it really made life difficult because we had to travel all the way down for every parade. Every time you wanted to visit an office, you had to go all the way down. Um and there was that tunnel in between. Can you mm-hmm. remember that? And it was just kind of mm-hmm. like a mud. We used to get picked up for mud walking through that tunnel. Because of the guards, that's 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 the guards. You'd be like, mm. 
do I point to the tunnel? No, I better not. I better smile and accept. Although the only positive out of that was all the show parades, all the 7 p.m. discos were um, run by the Vimy Barracks officers. Right. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, you look very smart. And you're just like, if you say so. So. Fair enough. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, at least you got to practice your drill when you walk down there. Oh, yeah. You know, because, yeah, there's no time for drilling the guards. There's no there's no time to practice that. What, so what year did you join training? I joined in 2004. 2004. So, so I was just thinking, was, was it you? Because I remember the story going around when I was in training. Do you remember there was someone who shot themselves in yeah. that? So, in that, that fucking... so that was 19 platoon. That was my platoon. We had just... So we broken down into rooms like in, in what regiment you were joining so my bed space was as you came in on the doors on the right browns mm. was diagonal right and we went out and took a photo because it was like only our second tab you know we were excited it's like the yeah. four miler or whatever you know we're all young yeah. so we took a picture together we went back in um got filled up our water bottles and we left now it wasn't until we were halfway through that we realized Brown wasn't with us. Now Brown's brother was a sergeant in the in the first battalion, right? And um he was always talking about his brother, his brother, his brother. So we came back. Now they had small window slots, two per room, and where mm-hmm. Brown's bed space was, the curtain was closed. So we come into the corridor, we try and open the door. It's it's locked. And our key won't fit because there's a for whatever reason, we can't yeah. can't get a key in the door. So Andrews, um, I, I I don't say his first name because who the hell is Gary? So yeah. Andrews went Andrews went round and looked through the the curtain was closed. So we went down to the office and told them that we can't get in. So Sergeant Dunn, Welsh Guards, um, Lance Sergeant Swan, Scots Guards, myself, we go in the door. And at that point, Brown shoots himself. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Splatter everywhere. Swan grabs me, and he's huge. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm still over six foot, but he picks me up as soon as the gunshot goes, and we go flying out into the corridor. Um, Sergeant Dunn starts screaming for, for help. Like, you know, but at this point, he's blown his brains out. It's absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Um. So we all got rushed outside. Um, obviously, it became, it became a crime scene for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, you know, they, they pretty much ruled that out straight away. And, um, yeah, that. so we were kind of coddled for a while. We didn't really get into too much stuff. But training mm-hmm. still had to continue. Um, but my, my bed space was next to his. Got collateral, collateral over all of my gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to get reissued stuff, and we then went to Great Yarmouth for his um, funeral. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, when you're 16 and you've just been in a room where some guy blew his brains out, it's it's not the start to your military career you were hoping for. But yeah, that was us. Fuck, I didn't even didn't realize that. Jeez, yeah, that was that was just because because I joined 2006, so yeah. there was always that that fucking rumor about that. You know, no one ever knows. I fucking didn't even yeah. know it was you. Yeah, he I mean, had well, you're, he, not you because you're still there, but it was. He, it was got, he got the bullet, and that's that's the reason we took the photo because it's the first time we had had gone to the armory to draw weapons right. for a tap. You know, 
That's yeah. that that's why we went and took a picture. That's why it wasn't the mileage. But yeah, so um yeah, we, we were like I said, we were cuddled coddled for a while. Um we kinda got away with things for a couple of weeks. But um Yeah. Yeah. That room was sealed off. We just all squeezed into more beds and they grabbed some mm. temporary lockers from somewhere and um you know. Yeah. That and but then as Bods dropped out yeah. I managed to get a bed space a, a couple yeah. of like five, six weeks later I was in a bed space. I mean how yeah. was fuck so you're only young anyway and then you're you're in training, that's not that's not something you even think about that's gonna happen. No, not then, not at all because the, Brown was super keen. That's yeah. that's what that's the thing I always remember about him. We only we you know, it was early on, so I didn't get to know him too well. Too well. You know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I knew his brother and he but he was always done first with his kit he was always mm-hmm. everything was tightly packed he he was a really nice guy but for whatever reason he had his own demons and i think obviously he joined to get access to a firearm mm. Fuck. yeah but why the, my, my my question is is why wait until we come in the room now it's probably mm. because he by us entering the room probably forced the issue yeah but you know, and his family were really nice people. And the coach trip back, the coach driver won't pull over. So one of the Fijian lads started pissing in a bottle. He's got a massive dick. So I don't know if I can say that. Um, and the bottle doesn't have the capacity to fulfill the needs. So then there was just <laughs> piss all over the coach. Cool. And yeah, that, that we didn't Should have stopped then, shouldn't he? Shouldn't have stopped. Yeah. Should have stopped then, shouldn't he? Yeah. Fucking great, your armors is a long way to go from character. Yeah, that's why they wanted it, was like a there and back, you know. And yeah, well, so that what was that like pretty early on in the training? Yeah, that was that was that was pretty early on, and then you know, training is normal. Um, Well, let's let's go on training. So, I'm going to ask you something that's you know, I want to know normal people, normal infantiers don't know what you guys do in training. Like for us, we just think you just stand there for six yeah. months and practice standing still. Is that it? Is that pretty much well, what you do? Training is exactly the same. All as... boots and stand still. Yeah, for a while. That's the final week. Basic training is two weeks longer for the guards than it right. is for, you know, regular fucking chippies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they have to squeeze in more drill, which is, yeah, stupid. Really fucking stupid. I know, but I didn't realize that until I was already in basic training. I remember watching a video of sweet VHS of some guys dropping in off a helicopter, you know, and there's like flashbangs going off. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, infantry. That's out of my pants. It should have been a guy with a broom sweeping leaves under a tree. Yeah. That's what the video should have been. Fucking litter picking and block jobs. Picking up cigarettes, going, I don't even smoke. What the <laughs> fuck <laughs> am I doing this for? It, it wasn't, wasn't probably to about, obviously, when I first joined up, I couldn't do anything. But when I got to about probably like two or three years in, I was like, I think it was two years in, I was like, I'm not picking up any fag bars. And it helped that I was a little bit bigger than people. So I was like, well, well I'm not doing it. That, that was it. That was, it just got to a point where, so I, I don't want to, this isn't a boast because I was a lot smarter than the average oh, yeah. guardsman. 
Well, that's not saying that's not saying much. It's like I'm 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 the smartest kid with Down syndrome. It, it it's the same thing, right? But when the guys had pay um you know like papers to fill out, they'd come and see me. If they had questions they didn't understand, they'd come and see <laughs> me, right? So yeah. I would I kind of started at one point. I was like, I'm not picking up cigarettes, and I get some you know like little eighteen year old Lance Corporal. Uh, excuse me, uh, you you need to be picking up cigarettes. I'm like, do I? Do I really need to be picking up cigarettes? No. Okay, cool. Thanks for arguing with me. Goodbye. And that was it. Mm. I was just like, no, I never picked up again. Although one day we were litter picking. In se- so after basic training, um, joined seven company, Coulson Guards, right? It survives from the old 2nd Battalion. It's its own little incremental company. It's, it's mm-hmm. designed solely for drill, right? It's non-deployable. And um, we used to live with F Company Scots Guards, we were their incremental company mm-hmm. and for we never really got into it with them they left us alone we left them alone but one one week i don't know tempers flared you know and um a guy called dinger from our from from our company was took, his last name bell by any chance oh how'd, how'd you figure that one out <laughs> <laughs> he took the world's biggest dump on this guy's car bonnet i mean i've never seen anything like it it's like twice the size of my arm, like phenomenal. I just, that for me, when I, cause we didn't see it until we were litter picking. So when I think about litter picking, I think about turning that corner and seeing the (laughs) dingers giant turd on this car. And it's, you know, when you think back and you're like, that dude's a father of three, you know, (laughs) there he is. What what made him go, do you know what? I'm going to go drop a deuce on that car bonnet. So is that what you did? You when you so you finished training till about six months, you joined your battalion uh, in the guard yes, in the, so, the drill in the drill platoon, as it were. Yeah, you you don't decide obviously because we have the first battalion and then we have technically the second battalion, seven company. They decide yeah. where you go. Okay. So at the time, they were based at Chelsea Barracks, Sloan Square. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's luxury apartments now. It's all been yeah, knocked yeah, down. It is. Yeah, yeah. But it was that huge, long. I mean, I'd highly recommend just, you know, for any listeners, just Google it. It's this huge, long building from the 60s. And we lived there. F Company lived above two floors above us. Further down in the middle was the Welsh band, Welsh Guards band, and the Irish Guards band. Um, huge place for just these small groups. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the problem was, is it was a condemned building. So your accommodation was 50p a month, right? What you plug in, you plug in at your own risk. Like yeah. you, you don't, you're like, am I going to die? No, it was worth it. Um, so that was fun, but the band need to practice and they mm. practice at the weekends. They're, you know, because <clears> the, the musicians, they love it. And yeah. you just lay in there. You've just had a skin full, and there they are playing Nimrod at seven a.m. And you, you think, oh my god! Like, I used to hate the band. You mm-hmm. just scream out the window to shut the fuck up. No, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Hate them. Hate the band. But uh, yeah. So that was pure drill. And yeah. during the drill, when you assigned, we'd suddenly come back on. Because it'd be 24-hour guard during the summer. So you mount guard for 24 hours. You come off, you yeah. mount the next morning, right? It goes on. And you do that Monday to Friday. 
And then they're like, okay, we've got four days off, um, but we're going on exercise. Pack your shit. You've still got to keep them infantry skills up, and you're just like, uh-huh, still need some time off. But, yeah, we'd suddenly pack up and drive all the way to friggin' Otterburn from, like, London to Otterburn for a three-day exercise and come back. Just to break me. Mm. But um, I mean, we did, we did, um, <clears throat> so we did a Queen's Guard, like, a rotation, because it goes to the other red, other, other units for, like, yeah. a rotation, doesn't it? And we did it for two years. Fuck me. I mean, the the attitude's obviously different for us, because we're, that's not, it's not what, we didn't join ever thinking we're ever going to do that shit. Yeah. So, so obviously the attitude's a little bit, I wouldn't say, it is, within within amongst the blokes, is a little bit lax, because you're like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I mean, I had no pride, mate, I could never keep a straight face anyway. I'm fucking terrible at straight faces. Yeah, when, when, when I, when, well, yeah, you got a face, face for radio. Um, It's, yeah, when it starts off, you're all dead serious. You're like, yeah. you know, like, I'm a guard. I've got a worldwide reputation. Like, guards are famous. Like, yeah. you can show them a picture of the guard and show a picture of, like, George Clooney. People know who the guard is. They might not know who George Clooney is, you know? Yeah. Um. So there was that moment of pride and marching down the mall and it's it's draped in Union flags yeah. and people are waving flags and the band's playing and stuff. And there was times... Or doing the guard of honor for like the president of Brazil or South Korea, and it, there was times like that. I was just like, it was very prideful, like troop yeah. in the color, um, left hand man, uh, and right hand man, because I did four troops for the color. And I'm just, yeah, those it's times, pretty, yeah, yeah, I was proud, and my mum was in the stand. You know, my mum and dad were watching from the from the from the stand or whatever, and the queens there. And but then it's also a shitty no Tuesday night in November, and you're stood there in the dark, in a po- outside Buckingham Palace. Mm. Nobody can see you because it's November. And it's chuffing no dark as hell, and you're just like, "This is a waste of manpower." Yeah, like this, this, this is really a waste of. And there's four of you on because the queen's in. <sighs> Double tap. Yeah. I once so. If you if you're looking at Buckingham Palace, the right hand side, right, there's the box there, and the gates, you know, there's cars coming in and out, and this green Jaguar, or Jaguar for any Americans that listen, it's tin, tinted windows, right, and it drives through and it drives under the archway. So I was like, okay, well it's probably somebody semi-important, like, but I didn't do anything, I didn't salute, I just stood still, shock horror, and next thing I know. Maybe 10 minutes later, the sergeant of the guards marching down at a rapid pace, his arms go, da, 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 da. and I think, well, this ain't good. Oh, okay. So it was Anne who was driving, who was in the car, right, Princess Anne. Yeah. So there was no royal salute from my part. He's chewing me out. I then got back inside after, you know, being relieved. Mm-hmm. I had all these cleaning duties, and then when I got back to camp, I got agai because the agai system was just really coming into play. And they were just, ter- they, I got terrorized for weeks because I didn't salute. And her driver had gone and complained that I didn't salute. It's a, it's an unmarked green yeah. Jaguar with tinted windows. That was one, that was one time that I realized that this regiment sucks balls. I mean, we, we did, so we did it, we did a two year um, of the, um, um, of the Queen's Guards. 
the first yeah. half was before tour and I was a bod. And then the, the second half was after tour and I was a lance jack. So I yeah. was posting people. But because I was so the first part, it was the first time we had done it anyway. Folks, we were doing two hour stags on fucking just standing. It was fucking horrible. And then I was like, then we got, obviously, then we went this after tour and I was a lance jack. Yeah. But I was actually doing the, because fucking we're all mongs at drill. I ended up was doing like the sergeant's role because no one fucking could do it. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it, I was doing it. Anyways, because I've done it before and I'm like, I'm not, I don't want the bloke standing there for two hours. So we were doing hour rotations and there was, yeah. because I was a lance jack and I think the, it was, so there was like three or four lance jacks because of the positions weren't yeah. filled by senior NCOs, et cetera. So there was four of us. So we were just posting blokes all the time. I was like, let's fucking just do it. Cause fucking standing there for two hours. It's oh, it breaks, it, it breaks you. And se- seven posts, I believe it, it's moved two or three times, but seven posts, Pal Mal, you're facing the brick wall. Mm. You're mm-hmm. facing a brick wall. There's yeah. only so many times you can count the bricks on the wall. Yeah. Like, but um, Windsor Castle, if you're looking at it from the long run, there's like yeah. a huge driveway, and that's four posts at the very top, right? Yeah. No one can really see you. Well, they can see the outline of you, you know? And um, it's the Queen's Where, where the bushes are. Yeah, where the bushes yeah. are. On the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you yeah. go around there and hang up your bearskin, and take your head off this yeah. water. So, um, you know, the Queen's driving up, so pop out a royal salute. And you can see if you look slightly left, like, you know, move your head, have a look. She opens the car and the corgis run out and stuff. I was like, oh, that's funny. But then she stood there staring at me. And I, I can see it now. I'm staring forward. She's there. My diagonal left. She stood at the top of this ramp, staring down at me. I'm like, uh, am I am I gonna end up in my dashboard like Princess Diana? I don't know. So I'm I'm slightly panicked, right? I was like, okay. And then she goes inside, and then this policeman comes out behind me. You know where the archway is? There's a doorway. Yeah. I can hear him coming out. And he said, uh, I "Need to talk to you." So. Oh my God, I'm going to jail. <laughs> it's like, I need you there. I need you to come inside here. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, just march over there inside. And he's like, there's an ice cream. I went, what? He said, it's a hot day. Her Majesty said that you should probably have an ice cream. I was like, that was awesome. I was just yeah. like, the queen, the leader of the realm was like, get that fat dude an ice cream. <laughs> That, that, that yeah. was just like you know, <laughs> blood sugar <laughs> levels. His blood sugar levels are low. Get him <laughs> fucking ice cream. <laughs> yeah, like those stories are always fun. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, and, and I say I say we didn't we didn't um we didn't like it because it, I say we did it, but looking back, you're like fuck, that was pretty cool. We did it. Like bullying the boots and shit is fucking. The thing is, I didn't mind doing the the twenty four hour guard because once yeah. you once you're on. Once you done, like once you start the parade and whatnot, the changing of the guard, can cush. Yeah. Especially you go to like Windsor Castle's fucking. Just yeah, and you can dip out, get your macadies and yeah. whatever with a couple but of cans. Like it's the fucking just the practicing beforehand, the bull in the boots and fucking yeah. inspecting. You're like, oh, fuck off. Once once you get it to a high level, it's dead easy. And there's also yeah. a floor cleaner called Clear, yeah. right? So what you do is you put some of that on a cotton ball ball. And you just, it all has to be done in one direction. You can't do multiple directions. You go over, it makes it super shiny. But if it it rains heavy, it's a floor cleaner and it all turns blue and it fucks everything up. (laughs) So we, we, the first time I was, it was just, 
oh shit, like as in bullying boots, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So I fucking amount of foul parades I did with my boot inspection because especially as soon as you as soon as you step off, your boots just go. Fuck you know. For the second time, I, I, I managed to get to get it when we were fucking do it. Did it the second time. Once you're in it, you're in it to win it. Yeah. Um, really? And then, so how long were you on that? Because that, that is that most so, of the new blokes go to that, and then they. Yeah, but well, most of the new blokes had gone to battalion because battalion was really low on men. We <clears> were <throat> the first new draft to seven company in well over a year. Right. So we got a lot of the shit taskings. Oh, I bet. A lot of the shit taskings. Yeah. And the worst thing was, is so it has underground parking because it's London. They had to build underground parking. Mm-hmm. So they had the ramp. So whenever you got punished, they'd march you on this ramp Oops. for like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that used to fucking destroy me. Well, I, I find a lot of things used to break me. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we were there. Um, do you know what looking back at it it's location the nightlife like we used to terrorize london like the location mm. was great but um after two years no less about a year and a half um went to the first battalion they were based at windsor at the time doing mm. a windsor older shot windsor older shot rotation with the irish guards um i went straight to because i had been in for obviously like two years i went to the mortars right you know you come across as a mortars so. yeah my, fir- my first week there, I'm unpacking stuff, and I turn around, and there are some absolute creatures. It looked like a crime watch special. Like, they're all right behind me. Like, what are you doing this weekend? I was like, uh, probably going home. No, 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 no. We're all going out dressed as women. I was like, okay. So we had to go to Primark and find me a nice summer dress. And one of the best nights out I've ever had, I can openly admit that. Very breezy, very gentle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Some absolute you in a dress while I saw fight. That's it. Cover up your erection. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, um, and at that point, um, so the battalion had gone to gone on Talik Mm -hmm. the year before. But I was I was still only Mm seventeen. So I couldn't obviously deploy. So we went to Belize in oh five. Um, and went out there. We were, because we were only a small, you know, we're only an incremental company. We went with the Sherwood Foresters, mm-hmm. who are, what are they, the Mercians now? Yeah. One, yeah. One Mercian regiments, I would assume. Yeah. Um, and that was awesome. And that was when I realized that the rest of the army isn't like the guards, mm-hmm. you know, because they'd call their lieutenants um, boss. Boss. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas for us, a, a second lieutenant or a lieutenant is Mr. Smith, Mr. Jones. And then right. captain or above, you call them by the, the rank in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just thought I've, I was, I went to, I legit went to pull my feet in to this lieutenant of the Sherwood Foresters. I wanted to ask him a question because the guards are always feet speak. That's the mentality right. they try and get you to do. So I pulled my feet in and he looked at me and went, what are you doing? I was like, you know, I, I've come to talk. Never pull your feet into me again. I was like, okay. And then I went and told somebody, and they were like, no, he's lying. You should do that. I was like, okay, that's still very confusing for me. <laughs> but it was super chilled out. Like, they had a company sergeant major who was this bold, short black fella, and they used to call him Malteser Red. 
because he's got a shaved black head yeah. and it was super shiny. And hey, Malteser, Malteser, and I'm like, you can't talk to him like that. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. The guard is very um. Got a very, especially the officers. That's that's what you know. The officers are very highbrow, aren't they? You have well, to, not as highbrow as um, household cav. Yeah, it used to be that if you if a guards officer stopped being paid by the army, he should he should still have income to support the lifestyle. Right. That's where it, that's where it comes from. Because you know, obviously, back in the day, you used to be able to buy your commission. You used yeah. to have to buy your promotion. Um, that was the whole point was like you need to do that whether that rule still exists i doubt it very much because it's probably doesn't help with diversity or anything like mm. that i guess it doesn't meet the the politically correct standards of today i don't think sandhurst would allow it but mm-hmm. yeah. so here's a, here's a question about the guards that i want to know so you've got obviously the normal rank structure as, a, as an nco in the normal army is large yeah. corporal corporal sergeant Color sergeant, staff sergeant. Yeah. But for you, for some reason, the guards. Uh, so, the Lance Corporal's got two stripes, and then there is yeah. no corporal. It's last Lance Sergeant. What the fuck's that about? Yeah. So that comes from Queen Victoria. Um, we had the same rank structure, um, and then Queen Victoria was on the balcony at Buckingham Palace watching the changing of the guard, mm-hmm. and she didn't like how one stripe looked. Right. So she said, "I don't like it." So they changed it. So then they were like, okay, well, the Lance Corporal can have two stripes. And then they were like, okay, well, that's going to cause confusion. <laughs> so let's make more confusion and have a Lance Sergeant. Yeah. Who's allowed into the Sergeant's mess, even though technically they're only then, a Corporal. Cool. Yeah. Um, so they did that. Then they make the, if you're a full Sergeant, you get gold chevrons, like yeah. thicker, bolder, you know, like how you like your, your chicken at KFC, a bit thicker. Yeah bit crispier, bit golden. Um, and then the following rank structure is the same, moving on. Yeah. Now, the one I don't understand is the household cavalry. Corporal of horse, horse stroker, horse toucher. I don't... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just like the cavalry, you know, like, I'm, like, you know, no, I, I have no idea about any, any other Don't rank structures. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's just ignorance to myself, really. Yeah. Um, but 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 to be fair, when you're in your own unit, you don't really pay no. attention to others. No, you only care about what you're doing, yeah. which is fair enough. It's it's the world you live in. But um, I mean, I I think look at looking at that. If if the if the lance sergeants are going to the science mess, the way it's probably happened is someone who was controlling the science mess like, Whoa, how do we get more blokes in here to get more money out of them? <laughs> Gotta save up for them right. gold watches. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's fucking let's. Let the full screws in here, so I can get, so I can charge them a fucking fortune. Yeah, it used to. Whenever you go anywhere to any like other camps or you know like adventure training or whatever, and you know they 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 break down areas. Um, it always used to be, well, you're only a corporal, and it's like three three chevron says otherwise. So they used to get away with it. But um, going back to Belize, um, that was the first time I'd ever pooed myself as an adult. Just thought I'd leave that out there. Nice. But but by you saying the first time, it's probably not your last time then. No, no. So Belize, so you obviously drink river water. You know, you go in, you you put it in, put put your happy little sanitizing pill in, and that's a go. Yeah. And I, 
I was just not feeling the third world river water for whatever reason. My body was like, that's not really for you. So I stood there collecting my water and I just, I, I trusted a fart I shouldn't have. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, you just washed yourself out and that was good. I mean, I had, I had DMV in, in Afghan, honestly. Ooh. It was just fucking horrible. We were, we were just about going out on a company op <clears throat> and I just wasn't feeling right throughout the night. And then I went, ran up the stairs from, from where we were in Nole and just went to throw up. But as I threw up, it came out my ass at the same time. <laughs> I was just like, <clears throat> and I was like, oh, this is not right. Went to the fucking, obviously crawled. I couldn't stand up. It was yeah. that bad. I crawled to the fucking DMV tent and was there for like three days. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> all from, oh, all from, we, we had, we had goat one night. I think it came from that. Yeah. Obviously it didn't. It would have come from me not washing my hands properly and then, and yeah. then eating the goat, but. Um, if anyone puts a goat near me now, I'll fucking punch him in the face. Oh, it was horrible. Don't go to any, don't go to any Gurkha Nepalese restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you did Belize. Yeah. And, uh, what year was that? Two thousand and six. That was two thousand five. Two thousand five. Two thousand six. We went to Wisconsin in the U.S. to train troops, like a knowledge knowledge exchange, yeah. which, which was really cool. Like. You know, just being with them, they we didn't take any of our equipment. Like, it, you know, you took a Bergen and a few, you know, some, you know, clothing, but like we got there issued weapons, issued equipment, yeah. and stuff like that. And, um, that MREs. was really good. Yeah. But also, you can, you can't do scape and evasion in the UK for health and safety reasons, right? You mm-hmm. can in the US. Mm-hmm. So they did, um, we spent like two days or one. Yeah, it was like 30 hours, like 30, 35 hours of escape and invasion. And they did the whole, you know, you've got your clothing on or whatever. Only one guy yeah. made it to the end. But uh, we got caught. And then I got caught by a group of guys. And they tilted me back, put a cloth over me, and just waterboarded me for like five minutes. And that is that is horrible. Oh, but at the time, it was just like, ah, yeah, it's part of the fun. But looking back at it, I got waterboarded. Like... <laughs> CIA Guantanamo Bay waterboard. Oh, yeah. Oh well. I mean, but, they did it. They said they used to do, I think, a similar thing in Cyprus because you were allowed to do it in Cyprus. Yeah. And I just remember the lads telling me a story. They they did it. The escape invasion got caught. And they used to fuck with the guys because obviously no one takes it seriously. So they fuck with the guys. Who, the guys used to climb, escape, would escape the cage they're in or whatever yeah. they would sell. And then just change the radio channel and then jump back in. And then the guy would come in and be like, <laughs> first of all, it'd be like, who's changed the channel? And he'd be like, hold on, you're all here. Yeah. So someone's jumped out, changed the channel, and then jumped back in. Weirdos. <laughs> well, did you ever do Hunter Force? No. You know, no. so yeah. the, the Special Forces support group, um, but I'm talking about the. Um, the the TA you know two one mm-hmm. two three yeah. and um, their support so they did like an escape and evasion thing but it was more like on on an exercise mm-hmm. so we did hunter force we were part of the group that has to track them and find them and that's easy I didn't realize how much how easy it is to track humans yeah. so you find you find them you jump on them you know you you rough them up just a little bit chuck them in the back of the wagon but you know you're blaring this music at them. You're keeping them awake. 
but you as the hunter force have to stay awake. But there's only like five of us, and there's three different huts. That so there's no time for rest. Mm-hmm. So you're so it was so t- I remember just being so tired, and even I was stood there in this room with like this white crackling noise, and even I could feel myself nodding off. I was like, good God, I don't know how these people are doing it. Fair play to them, but uh, yeah, that wasn't for me. But um, so in the US, right? We were in like an old style accommodation, big barracks. It was there were six toilets, right? all in one room, all facing like two, two and two. Mm-hmm. But you're close enough that you could play thumb walls while you sat on the toilet. Yeah. So, um, poop story two, um, not to be confused with Toy Story two. So I went into the bathroom. They were all occupado, and I was just like, "Who's who's finished? No one's finished." Well, apparently there's a there's a toilet in the laundry block, two blocks down. So I clench my ass and I waddle down there and I get in this tiny little cabin and me in this tiny little cabin is even worse. And as I undid my belt, apparently it was my belt that was keeping everything in. It's disastrous. So I just had to walk with my todge out all the way back to the block. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Something weird, you got mortars though, I guess. Well, that's you it. See, the first, the first time you shot yourself, were you in mortars? No. No. Second time, no. Third time, yes. Fourth time, yes. Hold on. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Feel, I mean, feel free to you could feel free to edit that out at any time. That's not that staying in, mate. That might be the quote of the <laughs> quote of the podcast. <laughs> this dude shits himself. Donate to the British Legion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was fun. But um, so there's a, a town of Sparta just outside yeah. where the base was, the only closest town. Now, you've seen the movie 300, right? This is Sparta, you know? Several times. So that didn't come out yet. So it didn't have the cool connotation to it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got like it's two bars in this whole town. And um, we're very much, if you, if you start a fight, you're on your own. You've got to fight it out unless you get jumped. You know, then we'll step in. I don't know if that's how mm-hmm. you guys did it, but if you would... If you were the dickhead, you're a dick. Yeah. 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 You're on your own. Yeah. So, one guy, he's got a forehead that you won't believe. Like you, you could open up a hotel on it. There's that much space. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> he's talking to some girl, and um, a couple of guys come over. You know, they're they're trying to like you know go away. So he goes away, and he goes back to talk to her once they leave. So and these guys kind of start on him. So he gets into it. We get into it. And um, the whole thing stopped <clears throat> because there was some little American voice went, oh, my God, that dude just hit him with his face. Mike, Michael just headbutted this guy like twice. And I remember just laughing so hard before the sheriff showed up and took us all back. Anyway, we're all banned from the town of Sparta. But, um, yeah, hit him with his face. Amer- Americans. Mm, I mean, uh, yeah. So... I've worked a lot with Americans now. I work for an American company, and one yeah. of the things we we go over there is um we have to do like you have to tell them it's like a lie detector test, and you have to tell them everything. And then they ask you like how many fights you've been in. And America for Americans, they're like, oh, you know, been in one. Maybe I remember this one in high school. I went in a fight. And they ask the Brits, they're like, you're like, have you any any fights, mate? You're like, right, how long you got? Yeah. Like, do you want to know did, every fight? Do you this want to know week every or? Fight? 
Yeah, like, would you admit, and they're like, what do you mean, how many fights? Like, mate, I've been in so many fucking fights, it's unbelievable. You, what do you mean? You're like, well, you go on a piss on a Saturday, and especially when you're in training, you're pretty much fucking running around thinking you're Billy Big Bollocks, and you're fucking yeah. starting fights with everyone. I mean, the amount of fights you used to get in with different, you come in, especially at Catterick, you're coming back from, like, Darlow or something, yeah. and then you see another troop, like group of fucking, like, paras or whatever, and you just fucking start scrapping. That's it. Then you shake hands and you're all good. It's fine. Yeah. That, and then, I um, mean, that, that's one aspect that I do miss about the army is um, you can have a scrap with someone. You can really fa- you can really have a go at each other. You can just hurt each other, even, even physically and, and, and verbally. Like, you can really go at each other. And then the next day, you're chatting to each other. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. Like, that's fun. But, you know, like on Civvy Street, Oh, you say one bad word to somebody and they hold a grudge against you for three years and then you get reported to Linda in HR or, you know, it's just like, I just, I'd rather just go at it yeah. and be done. So this, this podcast, what I want to do is start is talk to people, combat veterans and how it was for people on tour purely because we never really talk about it as blokes and the, A, yeah. because there's a stigma behind we can't talk we don't want to talk about it when it's hurting but we also like i, I didn't want to you know when we got back off tour and we were in like or the you know corporal's mess or whatever we didn't want to talk about it because i mean i, I only went on one tour i didn't want to fucking big big time it to someone who's been on fucking six tours yeah so you don't yeah. really talk about it and then it never gets spoken about and then it just builds up and so why I started this is just to try and encourage people to, if, if they, especially if they can listen to people talk about it openly, then it encourages them to maybe find a friend or find, you know, even their family members to, to just open up and talk about it. Um, so when was the first time, what tour was your first tour or your tour you went on? Uh, Herrick 7, which was um, 2008, no, sorry, 2007, bleeding into 2008. Yeah. Um, we... <clears throat> I mean, I guess I'll start at Optac training, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back at it, it, no way was that training, it had not been adapted. It was as if we were still going to Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Looking back, you know, like Lidenhide, um, going to these fake villages, and I'm just like, yeah, because the cobbled streets of Coronation Street is definitely what downtown Sangin looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it the training was not I don't get me wrong I've seen all the Gucci videos and you know talking to friends that are still in the training is very much adapted they have locals talking the language they build you know markets and everything else but at the time mm-hmm. yeah we were we were still patrolling down okay let's get in a triangular harbor <laughs> are you sure are you sure that's what we're doing but the training was terrible mm-hmm. it was no no nothing on that optic training was applicable to Afghan, but mm-hmm. I don't blame the battalion because at no at no t- at that time, no one had been to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. There was two. There was actually two or three call streamers that were there on Herrick Six. One of them got a military cross, Swifty, um, but they hadn't come back to battalion. They couldn't provide input. Yeah, right. We were just going off the basics, um, <clears throat> and it's. That is quite scary when you look back at it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's silly. Like I said, you know that 
that's what they could do. I mean, I don't know how your optech training. Yeah, was. I think it's just, I think it's the same. I think I feel units. There's there's a lot of ego when it comes to your own unit, and maybe it's changed and you know i know it started to get implemented where you'd have different people you know from my tour you'd have one of my guests hugh kia he actually went and part of the optag team and they they started to get people like him who'd been on tour to start giving like implemented that yeah. into into people i just think as, as an army as a fucking as a male dominated boy as a male only infantry unit you don't really want someone else from a different unit trying to tell you what to do no they kind and, of they kind of get shafted and he's like no we'll do yeah. it the way we we we'll do it the way we do it well, that doesn't work like that sorry to jump but uh driving training right up in lynch lichfield lichfield yeah lichfield, leckensfield. Right? Leckensfield. leckensfield sorry yeah. and didn't because it's a training camp we rolled in at like 2 a.m we got told there was a curfew no idea um, we had to report here, so we stood outside the next day, and we stood kind of at ease. But we're we're talking, you know, we're in formation. There's about two or three of us, and this four foot fuck all MP comes out and starts screaming at us. And I just kind of look up so she can't see me, and she's like, "You in the tears because I'm a woman. You don't respect me." I was just like, looking back at it, yeah, at, uh, from the infantry, you're a woman. I, you know. So in the end, they just got sent away. But yeah, when you're in your own regiment, you don't want other people telling you what to do or how it is. Mm. So I mean, the thing is, the thing that I find funny, and I spoke to my mate recently about it, is in the army, whatever I've ever done, exercise that's not that's not been de- you know not on deployment. I've only ever worked in sections, right? Only mm. ever worked in sections. You go on tour, and I speak to everyone who goes on tour. How many how many fuckers work in sections? No one. <laughs> work in multiples yeah. I'm like you still have to train in you still have to do everything in sections you're like what makes no yeah. fucking sense it but i mean like so vikings and uh, you know the vehicles not the regiment mm-hmm. um we spent a lot of time in vikings on vikings climbing on vikings did i know what a viking was before i got to <laughs> afghanistan no i didn't legitimately um the body armor Right, we got the plates. You put it, you know, you put it in. No one really, you know, you put it over, you strap it around, and then you 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 wrap the sides around. Mm-hmm. Had I had I ever seen that type of body armor before Afghanistan? No. We still were rocking the 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 single square front and back. Yeah. And you know that's that was the lack of training that there was. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I spoke of touched on in the past is. The progression of technology always comes from yeah. war. And unfortunately, if you look at the start of the Afghan campaign, when we're driving around in snatches and wimmicks and yeah. people wearing CBAs and, you know, and then you go back to, and then you look at Herrick, I don't know, whatever it was, but when we left in 2014, fucking the kit was just a completely different fucking kettle of fish, you know, and it's, well, it's just... Um, we we still had I don't know about you but we still had the green handguard, mm. yeah, on, you, yeah. on, and and, and Now now they're rocking the, the the fancy new one with the undergrip and the ACOG sight and yeah we were still hold on let me let me make my Susat Susat tip red and we turn that little thing oh it doesn't work yeah like that was 
but like you said, you know, especially like medical technology oh, yeah. advances through wartime um, mm-hmm. and every, everything else does. It's the medic, the medical is, is, is outrageous how quickly it can change. You know, I was speaking to, again, it was, so I was speaking to Andy Barlow. Um, he was in the Kajaki incident. Yeah. And he was, they waited a fucking astronomical amount of time before they got air lifted out. And that was, I think, 2006, if I'm right, or 2007, maybe 2006. But, and then you look at, I mean, it was, it was in the hours. Mm. And then, but when I was in Torn, Herrick 10, it was the golden hour. That was the, yeah. like what they aim for, the standard to, to, cause that's how they progressed. And then the, the hospital at Cambastion was, fucking one of the best hospitals in the world yeah it's in the middle of a desert i had so during during that time period seven eight nine um a friend of mine was uh doing med school in birmingham where Mm -hmm. selioke is Mm -hmm. selioke was his um uh, appointment attachment you know uh, um his placement sorry yeah placement yeah so he was at selioke so we talked a lot like he'd to, oh what about you know he he couldn't for him you know being being 19 just turning 20 being deployed my friends are all just at university living mm. their lives you know it, he was the only one who kind of knew the danger that i was going into because he was, he was at celio yeah he was yeah. seeing it there um so he used to write me a lot and he's the kind of guy he sent me a porn mag right love him did he cut out all the lady bits Yes, he did. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Some people just want to watch World Bound. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was like, you know, at the time, I was a tad emotional about it. I opened that yeah. front cover. I'm like, oh my god, no. Like, back, so, mate, fucking what? What morale you used to get was when you got your parcels delivered. Oh, fuck me. My my um Debbie, who's kind of like my mum, yeah. she used to send me. See, me and my brother, we deployed together. She used to send me stuff. Like, it was as much as she could. And, mate, some of the stuff she sent, she sent, like, you know, like, those, you go to Poundland and you get those little games for, like, one pound, like, I don't know, like, egg in a cup or something, yeah. shit like that. She used to just send random shit like that. But it was, when you're on tour, fucking, it was great. You're like, fucking yeah. hell, this is awesome. Like, a little war pistol, like, a little tiny one. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking, but then just bags of morale, like, fucking Harry Bowen. Oh, mate. How I didn't get diabetes out there, I don't know. (laughs) So uh, one of the guy, Derek, Derek the Jew, um, he's not Jewish. We just Derek the Jew. Just tight bastard. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a big nose. Um, So his dad went to post a parcel, right? Yeah. But it was over that weight limit by like a gram, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So they said you'll have to pay. It's like fifty quid or something. It's like that's. No, like it's meant to be free. So he complained to the local newspaper in Hull or Ghoul, wherever. So it then Daily Mail picked up on it. And there's a picture of his dad holding Derek's parcel. So people got that information. And we were sat on the hill one day. Um, we were on Overwatch. And this, those mailbags after mm-hmm. mailbag after mailbag came out. Yeah, like... Oh, it was it was the best day of the whole tour. All yeah. those bags, and he he was just handing them out, so you never knew what you were going to get, and it was just oh mate, 
I'm thinking about it now. I'm smiling. Yeah. I can't even. Yeah, I bet, mate. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing like that morale day when you see them. You're like, especially we were in a fob and you you see the chunk coming in. You're like, how you you kind of look how big's the underslung. Yeah. You're like, fucking hell. There's a few bags there. Oh and no, it's always oh. yeah. There's all, uh, yeah, it's water. Fuck, I don't want water. I want fucking. Harry <laughs> 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 They were they were the fucking days. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing for people who've never experienced it to get a box out there. You've been away. You've not seen your family and friends, or you've just been around that kind of like normality and then you get yeah. a box maybe a box like like in 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters fucking tiny and it well not that small because that's fucking tiny but maybe you know you know what i mean like a small box and you've got Shoot, a few bags of haribo yeah. and you're like fucking hell this it makes your week it makes yeah. your week and for for something so you you easily forget that when you come home and you're fucking scoffing your face with stuff but yeah. you know when you're out there like, the one thing i always and to this day i don't I still just bottle just water from a tap. That for, mm. for me, I still drink water like today, and I'm like, yeah. I fucking love water. Now I, I know I know you're massive and into fitness, right? But if I give you a bag of Harry, if I give you a bag of Harry Bow, how quickly do you eat it? Oh, good on me. Yeah, I devour it because there's this overwhelming fear that this hand is suddenly going to appear around my side. <laughs> oh, he's got Harry Bow. Get, get out of here. Someone's going to steal it from me. Like, I've got to get it down yeah, like, quickly before anybody uh, realizes. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking. Anyone want the Harry Bow? You're like, <laughs> oh, there's none yeah. left. Fucking oh, sorry, mate. Up. Sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> so, how, how was your tour for you? So, you, how did you deploy? Did you deploy so in a fob or we, were you moving around? Well, we got there and we were supposed to take Battle Group Center. So we're in Helmand, obviously north, central, south. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to take center. So we got there and the day we were flying, the day we were supposed to fly out, we were originally going to Kajaki, right? And that's what the maps that we had looked at, the um, that that one that one week of training at Camp Bastion, you know, mm-hmm. just going out in the ranges or whatever. Yeah. So we. Everything was Kajaki, Kajaki, Kajaki. We, the day before, we got some intel that the Danish army is deploying troops, extra troops mm-hmm. into the area, which is great. Like, hey, more bodies, the better. So what we didn't realize is that they had taken all of battle group center. Mm-hmm. So now there's a battalion of costume guards ready to go. So we get to the flight line, Kajaki flight line. I, I promise you we are there. You know, obviously, the other little Chinook base, the best mm-hmm. We are flight line. We are ready to go on. Butch, who um, did you ever watch Emmerdale? Butch Dingle, mm-hmm. Emmerdale. Anyway, Ginger Cunt. Um, we are on the flight line, and he gets up and he goes, "Okay, lads, we're not going Kajaki. We're going Sangin. What the fuck, Sangin? Where's that? We on about? We are we are on the flight line. We are ready to get on the chopper. We're going to Sangin. So we pile in, right? And we are loading up." And there's this guy from um, Royal Artillery, some um, color sergeant. And staff, we sit. Staff. Staff, that's right. Staff. Yes, staff. Yes, staff. So we, <laughs> we, we look at him. We're like, where's your weapon? And he goes, oh, it's in, me, it's in me bag. Okay, well, you probably should have that out. You know, like, oh, well, oh, I don't need to. Okay. And he is, he's tucked to my right. Like and we are right like up inside it. 
mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> went to Lash Goresh, Lash Gugar, right? So we land, and they're like, right, get out. And he's like, this is me. His bag is under all of our mortar equipment. Oh, there ain't no way we can get to his bag. Oh, well, my bag's here, and he's trying to pull it out. And we're like, you can't get this. Like, we will have to unload. And the chopper pilot is fucking screaming. His buddy, the guy that mans the back area, is screaming. So he crawls all the way over our stuff and just jumps out. No bag, no nothing. He's just, he's got off the chopper. So we're all laughing our heads off. And uh, we we vultured his, we, we, we stripped his weapon down and handed the parts out to everybody. So he couldn't have his weapon back. We just, he had no ammo, not a single round, nothing. He's got nothing in his bag. And then, yeah, like, you know, so we took the DOS bag. We had everything. Vultured him. Like, explain explain that to the cube look. That will learn him. That will learn him. But, um, yeah, so we landed in Sangin. Um, took over. There was two mortar pits there. Took over mm-hmm. there. The, um, the mortar pits, there was some, like, mutt hoods running along. Um, the end one where they used to keep the bodies, that was our... They cleared the bodies out so we could sleep in there, which was nice. Very nice. Um, but, yeah, we operated out of there for only a handful of weeks. Um, <laughs> we did a couple of patrols. Nothing too exciting to start with. Um, put up a lot of a loom, a lot of patrols. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we were attached to four, two, no, 40 commando. Mm-hmm. So during our time there... We we were all split up. The whole battalion was just spread out. I ended up with 40 commando, um, the Yorkshire Regiment, two Yorks, um, Household Cavalry, um, Czech Special Forces, the Estonian Army, went back to 40 commando, was attached to the Household Cav, and then back to 40 commando. Mm-hmm. We were just, hey, we need bodies. Next thing you know, you're on it. But um, it wasn't... So this whole time, my, my good friend Mav, um, he's out now. But uh, he was a sergeant. He said to me, he said, you, I don't think this has sunk into you yet, what you're doing, what you're in for. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't until that first patrol where I realized, holy fuck, like, mm-hmm. this isn't, this isn't all excitement. This isn't what you see in the movies. Like, this is real. Like, this is, I, so, um, we had patrolled for about six hours. Um, and did you ever see the 60 mil mortar? So, um, uh, you know, you had the, the 51 mortar. Mm-hmm. Well, this was obviously the 60 mil. Much more accurate. It had airburst HE. Like you could, mm-hmm. So it would measure its distance. And we were the first conventional forces to have it on deployment. Now, obviously, the you know, SF units or whatever, they'd been using it. And um, so I was carrying it. I had it strapped across my back. And we'd been patrolling, and we'd been dicked. You know, the guys were dicking us. They, they were following us. Um, you know, just dicking is someone who's on the radio, yeah. the icon radio, saying, look, there's troops yeah. there, basically telling the Taliban. Yeah. He's, he's keeping eyes on. Um, so yeah, we were under card 429 Alpha. We went yeah. under the rules of engagement. So we could yeah. we could shoot first. Yeah. But, He's only on his cell phone. <laughs> Don't have the right to shoot him. Although technically we could have and got away with it. Um, so we're patrolling and the interpreter comes up to me and he says, he, he taps the, he taps it. 
I went, what's up? And he went, this guy, this interpreter called Boris, right? He will tell you how his mom was raped by Russian soldiers. He looks Russian. He is he is Afghani, no doubt about it, but he looks very Russian. And he'll tell yeah. you how they raped his mom. You're just like, <clears throat> why are you telling me this story? I don't understand. Okay. So sad. Um, and he goes, what's this? And I went, it, it's a mortar. He went, oh, yeah, yeah. They're talk- like, and he's holding his radio that's picking up all the Taliban yeah. comms. He's like, oh, they're talking about you. And I'm like, they're talking about me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're the guy with the, the long black thing. They want to know what it is. They want to find out. Which means that they're not just looking like they have had me either in their sights. Yeah. They are scoping me. They are watching me. Like, it, it's not just a group. They're not looking at a body of men. They're, they're looking, looking at you. Me. Yeah. And it was at that point there where it, it, it sank in. And I was like, this is real. There, there are people watching me that want to kill me. Mm-hmm. They're not watching me because I'm so handsome. Feel free to agree with me. Um, but they're looking at me because they want to kill me and they want to get that piece of equipment. They want to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, that the enemy kept getting closer. And um, you know how we used to pay farmers to chop down their fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, they take money from the Taliban to leave it up. Um, yeah. So we're in we're in this field and the Taliban are shouting at each other. There's some rounds going off. It's not automatic fire, but you know, there's a few shots being pinged around. So we take a knee and you know uh and the order comes down to, to fix bayonets. Now that that's not a drill, that's not company will fix bayonets, you know, like we're not watching Zulu. This is mm. this, this is legit. This is uh, yeah, I've got plug behind me. I've got Butch in front of me, and Butch just turns around and looks at me and says, fix bayonets. Just, uh, okay. And, and there's that clink of metal coming down the line of, of blokes fixing bayonets. And, you know, I'm very fortunate I didn't have to stab anybody with it because mm-hmm. would I have when I was 20? Yeah, I think I think I would have done whatever needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Could I do it now? No, I don't think, don't think so. Mm-hmm. But um, you know the the patrol got back to, um, uh, w- you could see Sangin, right? So we were coming back in from the west, and there's that larger, obviously open ground on the way in to the mm-hmm. entrance, and um, we're kind of spacing ourselves out. There's some gunfire to the left, um, but there's a small little, there's a uh, there's a little group of Afghani soldiers shooting back at them, whatever. As I as I'm coming out now at this point, I mean, I'm fat and slow now. I was still fat and slow then, and I got all <laughs> that equipment. It'd been a long draining day. Yeah. Um. And this fucking round just pings up in front of me, just ding, clear as day, just ding straight off the ground. And I was just like, that was directed at me. That's that's not a loose shot. That's somebody yeah. who can't shoot. Thank God. Looking down their scope, trying yeah. to drop me, and. I shuffled my way across open ground, got back. We got into the mortar pit, started fucking launching HE like it was going out of fashion. But out of the tour, that first patrol, where it really, where everything kind of came together, that really sinks in. And that I can, yeah. could I, can I remember what I did last week, last Tuesday? No. Can I remember that day? 
from well over 10 years ago. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting. Um, we actually had a, a Daily Mail reporter. There's a. I'll try and find. I'll show you the link. The problem is, is he was taking pictures when we were launching, um, at night on the mortar. Yeah. So, Parky's there. You can see him holding on. I'm obviously dropping the dropping the bombs. All you can see is my head torch. I'm like, I'm like, man. I, like, I nearly made it onto the news. But all I've got is my head torch <laughs> moving around. I'm like, that's so sad. Um, but just going on when you got back off that patrol. So. At the time of it, when when things are going, you know, a being being asked to fix bayonets, there's very few people who have actually had to, you know, and fucking absolute heroes that actually use it and they've had to fix bayonets and go, you know, follow through with it. But how you get back, your adrenaline's obviously gone, going through the roof because you're fixing bayonets. You're how was you know you you touching it? You're like fucking hell, it's going in. But when you get back. The, the lull of the battle's gone, as it were, and you've you've dropped, you've finished dropping all your HE because you you said you had to go straight back into dropping HE, and, and you know use dropping bombs. But when you get back to your bed space, how 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 was your how did you feel then? Did did it did it sink in? Were you then going I think fuck? I was tired more than anything, mm-hmm. and I think that was because of the physical exertion of it. But obviously the adrenaline wears off and it does yeah. you know, takes a toll on your body. But I remember not really thinking anything. It was more telling the guys that didn't go on that patrol what happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just to let them know. But when you're twenty, like it, it's it's not until you become an adult and you ha- you have different life experiences where you can think about it. Like at the mm-hmm. time I would probably say excited, like this is what I've been training for. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, when you're an infantier, that's that's what the infantry is all about. You're not doing it to pack shelves or you know deliver post or anything. You're that's your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But but the thing yeah. is, one one thing I've said in the past as well is the the army thrives on young people. It does, and that you know it wouldn't work with me and you now fucking no. going in and being an infantier because you'd be like. Right, you're going on patrol in the green zone in Sangin for yeah. for a ground dominance patrol that actually is achieving nothing. Go yeah. do it. You'll be like, fuck yeah. that. Yeah. Like, fucking yeah. no chance. But when you're 21, 20, you're like, yeah, cool, let's go. We're going in the green zone. Yeah. Oh, I get to multi. Right, I'm going to put on some deserts and I'm going to put on my greens. Yeah, we're going to look fucking cool as fuck. But now I'll be like, fucking no chance, mate. Yeah. Well, what's the point? Ground dominance. They don't even want us there. Mm. You know, your attitude changes and you become. Yeah. And then you look back on some of the stuff, mate. So I look back on some of the stuff I did on tour. Like we, you were, and so 0708, So IEDs weren't a threat, were they? When you were, there? yeah, no, they were. They were very much a, a threat, especially when we went over to Musakala, yeah. because yeah, Sangin, obviously the ground we were, um, we were already it was already being dominated, and we were back. You know, mm. you know they they kind of left out. They moved north back up to Musakala. The Americans mm-hmm. captured it apparently like a year or so before, mm-hmm. but then got beat back. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were like, "We're going to go take Musakala." Well, they didn't have the manpower; they were just sticking IEDs. Um, there was a while where they kind of stopped for a couple of weeks because um, where Musakala is, there's a giant o- OP Himmel, 
which is we we legit got dumped on top of a hill with a hundred sandbags, and they were like, "There you go." Do you know what they didn't provide? A shovel. fucking shovel. <laughs> so we were like helmets, like digging, like digging, trying to dig shell scrapes. We're laying on the side of this hill, like thinking back at it, we were picking. We were twelve guys. No, we were eleven guys. Top of this hill, no protection, nothing. We could have been slaughtered very easily. Luckily, mm-hmm. we weren't. But to the right, as it dipped down, <clears throat> there was a small village. Now, you know, you can put up IR loom at night, and you know, you can see clear as day. Mm-hmm. And they were planting an IED, so we're like, okay, you know, um, they want they wanted to dig out an IED because they wanted to see what they were using for evidence right. or something to do mm-hmm. with. Uh, parts you know i think they wanted to find where they were finding the parts from yeah. and uh, but in the morning a tractor local farmer track like drove over with his tractor blew him and his daughter up so the locals were very angry they weren't angry at us they were yeah. angry at them. but yeah. for a couple of couple of weeks we didn't have any ieds we got nothing mm-hmm. um but then obviously that 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 clearly changed but um yeah. it, yeah, so they were they were definitely still out there. Right, okay. Because all good, going, you know, old me, some of the shit I used to do when I was valing and it's just, I learned, like, if there was a read, so when, when I was there, you, you, you valing with the metal detector, if there was a reading yeah. of seven, you, if it was like, if it was under set, it was over seven or nine, I can't remember, maybe nine, you would then have to confirm it. If it was under nine, you wouldn't, you would leave it, maybe, maybe mark it and move around. But when you're, when you're leading a fucking, group of men like I, I was fortunate i only did valen lead valen a couple of times yeah purely probably because the boss saw me do this and i had a reading of seven or eight and i just used to like step back and just kind of put my left foot on it <laughs> yeah. and just just fucking up. and then my, my my boss saw it and just like what the fuck are you doing dave and i'm like well i'd rather have my leg taken off than fucking kill one of you but then he's like yeah but what about if there's a daisy chain you fucking idiot and you're like oh fuck and then when when you get older and you look back and some of the stuff you did like that and you're like fucking Dave idiot. Yeah. And in Herrick, in Herrick ten, they started having carbon rod IEDs, which were, which would give a reading of seven. So oh. all the only bit of metal is this tiny, tiny little bit of carbon, carbon fiber, or carbon rod. Yeah. And so you're like fight, 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 fight. Uh, I'll take a sandwich. Yeah, please. Okay, what kind? Just sausage egg or bacon and egg. Yeah, please. Thank you. Breakfast is on the road. All right. Well, that's recorded. You getting your fucking breakfast in, mate? <laughs> um, right, we're back in. Bit of, bit of technical issues. Obviously, this is my first fucking Skype Skype attempt, anyway. Yeah. But anyway, we were talking about when you started doing the mog. Yeah. So it was about dominate. They wanted to dominate all of the ground around Musakala. They wanted to drive everywhere around it before we attacked yeah. it. Um. So like, you know, we'd load up the Viking with HE and go sit on it. And we lived in that back of that Viking for a month. Right. And we'd go everywhere. They, they, we'd pile in, we'd go somewhere, we'd go climb a hill, we'd dominate the ground, we'd go into someone's village, start kicking doors down. More like um like Vikings. We were like terrorizing the village. Yeah, raping and pillaging. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Apart, not, I, the, not the rape. I only had, I only ever saw three women the whole tour. Yeah. Three women. The rest were all boys, and, you know, yeah. men. 
But um, guards like that anyway, don't they? Especially man love Thursday. I'm still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah. So we would go round, um, and there was a, one time we were on top of this hill on a, on a, like a gun line, mm-hmm. and they pulled in air support and the French. It was the French Air Force, and this Mirage kind of did a flyover. He then came back down and pretty much got level with us but turned himself so like he could see us and we could see him as he flew by and i was like as much as i don't like the french i was like that was pretty cool i was like yeah <laughs> it's like that was pretty cool i was like i'll give you that buddy yeah yeah so he yeah so it was just that was it but it was you know we'd get in we'd drive around we'd get out somebody would fire a rocket at us we'd return fire we'd drive off again and it was just that until the attack of Musakala. Yeah. So. And how was how so let, let's talk through the attack on Musakala. How was that? So that was American led. Um, yeah. They, they, well, it was the I say American led. It was Afghan army led, mm. with yeah. the the Americans stood right behind them, um, and we were doing all the support. They took it a lot quicker than they thought because, with us doing the mog and you know. As much as they're a third world country, they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. They know what's coming. Like so, they've never they, been successfully invaded. So yeah, they 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 bailed out. So they're like, oh yeah, we recaptured it. Great job and all this. And I'm like, you've just you've just moved trouble elsewhere. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's all you've done. Um, there was a pretty cool story. Um, so we would have. Did you ever have the um? Royal artillery guys that had their little, their own little drones, little plane things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they'd run and throw it, and it just hit the ground. It's like a giant paper airplane. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. And they, but they were controlling it with an Xbox controller. Um, yeah, yeah. So they were quite prevalent. Um, so we were able to see quite a lot by like mm-hmm. standing over him as he's flying over, and they were calling in artillery strikes, and you know we'd help do the mortar stuff that was closer. But um. One story about Sangin, um, there was a, I get confused with all the Scottish regiments. I, I do, and I know they've changed since I was there. Maybe it was the yeah. King's Borderers or something. Right. But there was a major who got blown to bits. I mean, like, mm. bits. So yeah. we went out and found all the body parts, put it in a bag or whatever. Um, and he, you know, the bag and everything was flown away. But the artillery guy was flying the thing because we we couldn't find his leg mm. and we found it they hung it from a tree and they were hitting it like a pinata so this guy was, his his artillery officer radioed somebody who radioed somebody anyway the u.s drone striked it drone striked his leg they were like we don't want them to get any piece of yeah. his body yeah um, <clears throat> so yeah that was and you think, well, what's the cost of a drone missile? For Javelin, 60,000. What's a uh, drone missile? Damn. Yeah, more than that. Tax, taxpayers' money at work. Well, I mean, I would, I would want that, though. My leg was yeah. fucking being used as a pinata. Even yeah, if I was fucking biscuit brown. <sighs> um, yeah, and did you see, as the tour came on, uh, as a tour developed you know you got towards the end of it did you 
because you know that first patrol where you fix bayonets and you know you had that round ping off around you and did you find you desensitized to the combat as it as it progressed yeah it's yeah. it was just living day to day and it didn't matter what it what it was like mm-hmm. you don't like i said i think when you're in it it's like when you're on holiday right you you have a good time you enjoy it but you don't really enjoy it until you get back and you think oh i missed that that was awesome or you look at pictures yeah i think part of being on tour was it it's day-to-day stuff you're young you are brainwashed yeah just there's no denying that like you mentioned earlier they prey on the young they need the young people to do it you just get involved and then you're thinking about when's my tour day ending I think I hear somebody opening Haribo, like, who's that? Like, yeah, yeah, I find it very desensitized. And I think that's also one of the reasons my my mom said to me when I got back a couple of months later, uh, she said, I think you've changed. I was like, what do you mean you think I've changed? She's like, you just seem that nothing seems to bother you. Like I, I, yeah, I, I'm not one of these people that freaks out about things or has anxiety or anything like that beforehand. But she's just like, you don't seem bothered about anything. You're just like, meh, whatever. Oh, this isn't working. We're running late. Meh, whatever. Like, no one's trying to kill me. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's what I find is, is a massive, massive. <clears throat> I, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm the same. I'm like, I know a lot of people are. It's like, well, we're not going to die, so actually you know it's not like can't hurt you it's not gonna fucking hurt so you tend to kind of build up a resilience to not bullshit but your resilience to fucking problems because you're like well let's take a breath because it's not it's not going to kill me so let's fucking try and solve it without flapping or do i do i do i get stressed out about poor timekeeping still absolutely that bothers me like that that is something that's ingrained and that ain't going anywhere but everything else i mean so what like oh this this isn't okay well fine whatever yeah Yeah. and so so that tour was that was that your was that your only tour yeah 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 when so so you know i'm the same i only did one tour and you know i see a lot of people talk about you know and, and i although it was very a hairy tour and you know like likewise yourself it's like i don't consider myself a battle hardened veteran i'm not not, i don't go off to people all the time saying you know i don't tell war stories all the time obviously i've started a podcast about war stories it's more so about ask you know other people's stories we can't we got back off our tour and if you looked at our platoon or our company before tour and then you go two years later and then you look at the platoon you look at the company the fucking men of majority of people got out yeah. just because it was, it was that bad you know it was that not because it was that bad and people got scared of it it was just people were like well i've done what i wanted to do and you know my, my time's to go elsewhere or yeah. you, you kind of see a new lease on life like do you know what if i you know i'll look at something else to do and when you i don't know when you go through tours that are diff- different it may have a different aspect and life and maybe people still fight for that i'm still looking for that yeah. bit of excitement you know that's not taken away from what people have done on other tours and you know i don't disregard what what they've done no no it's what just... somebody had to do it yeah and how did you 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 got back off tour and you know as a as a tour where you're 
life is on the line, you know, many multiple times, you know, more than you could count. How is it coming back to the UK? So we we did that whole stop at Bloodhound camp thing in Cyprus for for 24 hours, which is terrible. I mean, there was. I mean, I want to I want to get like, I I wish someone had just filmed the whole thing for everyone's tour and just fucking watched it back. I will have to yeah. say, um, somebody had sent me a Borat Mankini, and yeah. that that was my Bloodhound camp. I was just in a Borat bikini, just mooching around. The problem was, is there was there was eleven of us. And the rest were all TA rifles. Now I, yeah. I liked I liked the TA rifles because they did a lot of Overwatch for us. Yeah. I didn't have to stag on, which yeah. for me means the world. Like yeah. and you know, there was a couple of scraps, nothing nothing hectic, whatever, but they had like their garrison sergeant major, like the biggest right biggest TA rifles bloke you could find. Yeah. And he was gobbing off about laundry bags. Uh, you know, you just tell him, like, wind your own neck in your daft cunt. And just started, like, having a go at him. Mm. And then he threatened to knock me out. And I was just like, that's fine. Like, put me to sleep. And that, that was Bloodhound Camp. That was it. That was, you know, two euros a can or whatever it was, as long as you return the cans. Yeah. Um, but that 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 is ridiculous. That is no way to decompress. Mm. So we flew back, right, landed at... We flew back with Monarch, so we flew. I don't think we flew into Bryce. We flew into somewhere else. No. Yeah, but is it um, it is is it Birmingham, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, well, we, it's Birmingham Airport. I think it thinks. Well, yeah, we we didn't fly into an RAF base, which was yeah, strange. Yeah, exactly. But they had coaches waiting for us on the tarmac anyway. Mm-hmm. And I've got my Bergen and my bag, and um, went back to camp dumped some gear right everyone got changed went home come back in three weeks okay like there's no hey like if you need to talk to somebody if there is any issues give us a call it's like just come back in three weeks went back in three weeks they were like okay we're um i think they went out on herrick 10 or maybe herrick 9 anyway there was they were like hey we're going to be redeploying it in this time frame so people were a bit apprehensive for me i was a bit like i don't know the reason that I got out or had, had enough was we went from fighting side by side with people and then he's talking to me like a five-year-old. Mm. I'm being treated like a child. I cannot be unsupervised. Oh, no, like, hey, why? I know they were trying to get back into normality, like the way things used to be. Mm-hmm. They didn't embrace change. They didn't go, we're talking to war vets here. We're talking mm-hmm. to men, mm-hmm. no, talking to five-year-olds, and mm-hmm. but also there was a lot of friction because, as I mentioned earlier, we got split up. We lost the the, the center, so mm-hmm. one company went to Kabul. Mm-hmm. So two, three, and support obviously got spread to the seven winds. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of friction in camp because you've got guys who you know LMG and from the hip. And then you've got guys who the hardest part of their tour was the Wi-Fi went down. Mm-hmm. And there was big contention um, when they were handing out medals. Mm-hmm. So I got, a, I got a phone call. Can you come down to the admin office? So I went down there. There's some SPS bloke, you know, special pen service. And he gave, <laughs> me a, he gave me a box and went, there's your medal. You need to sign for it. So I signed for it. I was like, oh, cool. 
and then I think after that the people had like like my mom was like you didn't invite us to your medal ceremony I'm like what are you on about she's like Prince Charles gave medals to this regiment and you know like there was all these uh, did you have a medal ceremony like handing them out or? yeah 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 I, we just we just signed for us which is ridiculous <laughs> but um yeah there was just a lot of friction in camp um which didn't help the situation and yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't go from being an adult to being a child yeah it really bothered me and it yeah. really got in my head about it and i was just like i don't need this yeah like so put in my papers, which is obviously a year long, which with the guards, you stag on for about a year. Oh, that they, they don't, there's no, <clears throat> no, there's no retention. There's no, hey, let's, what can we do to this? How can we help you? No, like you're, you're going out, you're out, get out. Um, although I did go on a one day resume writing course. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. They were like, yeah, oh, nearly six years. Yeah, there's your resume course. Get out. So that, that, and then there's no support when you get out. Yeah. I try I to get a flat with the council. Nope. You can just join the list like everybody else. I was like, mm. okay, that's awesome. So. Yeah. I think the, the thing is you can't, the, the way I look at it, you can't, I can't you can't ever be feeling disappointed by the army because the army's the, the military's a big fucking wheel a big machine oh, it's yeah. got a lot of dogs and when when you're in they they try and look up they try their best to look after you and, you know they could do better yes but when you're out that's again that's other people will argue and you know and it's, it's not their problem you're out yeah because the army's the army's got far too especially at that time we're in a time of war um you know, we've got they've got fucking Afghan and Iraq going on. They've got so much to yeah. go on. It's it's different nowadays because there's, there's nothing out there for the, the Green Army, so they can I guess kind of focus on the people that are that are getting out. But that's why things like charities are. You know, and, and one of one of the big things I talk about on this is just and what I try and do is get people to know of charities because when I got out and like you said well, you you wouldn't know of any charities but I know there's there's probably tens of charities probably if not more that you could have got in touch with about council housing that would have helped you but there's no way of there's no way of knowing you don't you get out no. you don't know and one of my ideas with behind this is just trying to get that information out there you yeah know, one, of, one of my one of my one of the guests QQ he's got a podcast called HR podcast and the reason he started it was to to help people get information when they leave because you, you get out there isn't for this fuck all especially when we got out you know yeah. you got out in two, when did you get out 2009 oh, and end of 09 i got in 2011 there was fuck all you, you, you get out and you're like right as long as you've given all your kit back you fucking your 1157 back and then get yeah. out don't want to hear you that was i mean what was ross kemp had started that yeah charity. what's um What's that chat? What's um, yeah, yeah. He he had, he had started another charity, or was mm-hmm. in the process of setting thing up. But it, apart from the Legion, that there, there there was nothing. There was zero, and I mean, not even a pamphlet to say, "Hey, here's a number you can call." It's that was it. Get out. Yeah. So what did you get? What did you get into when you got out? 
So um, worked in, I worked out in Italy for a while. Um, yeah. Just like cleaning tents and caravans and stuff, working with gap year students. That was, that was mm -hmm. a lot of fun, but it was frustrating because they're all young teenagers. You know, I was just like, okay, fine. Um, mm -hmm. Then worked um, security in hospitality. Mm -hmm. um and stayed in hospitality and i before i moved to florida worked um in uh private residential so i'd like set i oversaw 72 staffs staff mm -hmm. across like concierge housekeeping we had like nine buildings three thousand residents mm -hmm. um that I, re I really enjoyed that actually it was good but i mean as an infantier at no point did i ever think about joining hospitality mostly mm. because i couldn't be able i won't be able to spell it but there's no, I, the army doesn't get, so right, seven company. I had Mr. Williams tell me that he could get me an interview at Sandhurst. He's just like, I, I think you should interview at Sandhurst and see. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 17, maybe, maybe I was 18 at the time or just, I was like, no, I'm infantry. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of the boys and, I was brainwashed. Looking mm -hmm. back, somebody had offered me an interview at Sandhurst and I turned it down. Like, mate, I, mate, I was the same. I was the same. I remember my boss said, HP, we've, we've had a thing, I've had a chat with, you know, the CO, you know, you know whatever. And like, we think we should, well, I can't remember what it is. Is it late? It's not a late entry. It's, um, yeah, but you, you join after the six week point or whatever, the 12 week point or something. Yeah, but this, yeah. he was like, you know, I was like, nah, I want to fucking fight. I want to be a bloke. Fuck, yeah. what an idiot. Yeah. What an absolute <laughs> fucking idiot. New like, what, new you not do it? Two, two idiots. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> two idiots fucking turning down to be an officer. No, because I want to be a bloke. I want to fucking fucking shut up, you muppet. <laughs> I know. Stag on, baby. Yeah. Now you live in America. Oh. Yeah, live in Florida. Um, Been here just over, two, just over two years now, so... You know, so, yeah. How's that? Right. It's fine. Uh, first thing I did when I got my concealed firearms, so now I can pick up a weapon whilst yeah. carrying a weapon in my yeah. concealed on my body. America, America. Yeah, exactly. They don't flinch. So, like, yeah, they don't. Make someone, someone sees it. Imagine like you're in I don't know Primark and someone's packing heat. You know. Armed response yeah. unit's going to come down. It's going to be all yeah. chaos. People are just like, oh, where'd you buy that? You're like, oh, <laughs> I got it at Walmart with bread and milk. Um, so one of the things, you know, I've spoke to you about and, you know, the reasons I've started this podcast is my, my unit and, uh, you know, it's not, I know we're not alone is we've had a fucking fair few lads kill themselves yeah. um, for, for, for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, whether that stems from PTSD or just blokes not just not you know willing to talk so that's one of the reasons why I wanted not, to... not finding an outlet yeah not finding an outlet you know you you, you come out you because you know they've left the army there's they're not in there they're not in their tribe anymore there's there's no one to talk to there's no shared experiences but then you know you go through other issues in life and and you, you because you're used to bottling it up inside with with talking about war you you tend to bottle it up inside when things are going tough um i know you said you you, you, you know you've had similar experiences yeah um so when i joined mortars um in the room across from mine was parky matthew parkinson mm -hmm. from from barnsley 
um, younger than me, just designed to be in the infantry. Like as, as lovely as he is, thick as two short planks, but you know, hard of gold. So it was me where I kind of became like an adopted parent. Parky, have you done your laundry? Parky, yeah. have you have, have you packed your kit for the exercise? We're we're, we're leaving in, at four a.m. You know, like maybe a, I won't say a mentor because I'm not that good of an infantier, but yeah. in his kind of and you know buddy and, buddy system, buddy buddy yeah. system. And he went to the same school as my cousin, so you know we had a lot of like at home and. Um, yeah. he was on the phone once with his mum, or like, yeah, he was on the phone. And um, he said, oh, sit down, I want you to talk to my mum. So I talked to his mum, and every time his mum was on the phone, he'd come in, and I'd have to, you know, say hello down the phone, you know, like. Yeah. And she, he, before we left for tour, he handed me the phone, so my mum wants to talk to you. And she was like, oh, his dad's here, and whatever, you know, we're talking. And she was like, you need to make sure my boy comes home. You know, and at the time, it, like I mentioned earlier, it hadn't sunk in what we were doing. Mm. And yeah, like I'm, of course, I'll bring your boy back. No problems. We're in the, we're going to be in the same multiple the whole time. You know, we'll be together. Um, It wasn't until we were out on tour when the shit hits the fan that that responsibility kicks in. You know, mm. I wasn't thinking about my parents being upset if I die. It was... Barky's mom's gonna kill me if something yeah. happens to her boy. Yeah. And we came back, um, and you know, he he went home. And then as I got out, he was having some troubles with his fiance mm-hmm. pregnant at the time, I think. And so he went AWOL, um, things didn't go too well. They then they then booted him out. They gave him an honorable discharge, but they just didn't want the hassle. Yeah. So they booted and him out. SNLR. So yeah. Right kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. So I know he was working with his dad and stuff, and we we kind of drifted. I mean, don't don't forget this is, you know, oh, oh nine, oh, you know, early two thousand tens. So we couldn't WhatsApp each other, but we stayed in contact as best we could. But we kind of we drifted off. You, you tend know? to do, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I I think now I only talk to maybe three guys I served with. Like yeah. I talk to more other people than than I than I do my own. And um, when I was working out in Italy, I got a, a phone call from my mum saying that Parky had killed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I stood outside my accommodation because I need a better signal. And um, yeah, he, he killed himself. He went behind the back of his house in the woods. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, hung himself. Fuck. I brought him home physically, but clearly yeah. not physically. Mm. I regret not going to talk to his mother. Mm. Making me cry on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's good for, for the rest of the day, mate. Put you in a good mood. But I, I carried the guilt. Yeah. For 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 a long time. I'm getting all day. I'll do. I'm good. I'm good at doing that to people. No, I can't. Why well, can't I just tell stories about me pooing myself? And <laughs> um, I know that, that people don't want to hear that. You may want to. 
Yeah, but I, I carried the guilt for a long time, and it wasn't until maybe two, three years ago I found out that he'd he had found out that he's, the baby that his fiance was carrying was not his. Right. Which was the tipping point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he he disappeared for two days, but that all two days he was hanging from a tree in yeah. the woods. And part part of my guilt left because. Those are the circumstances that yeah. are out of my control. Yeah. But it didn't happen too long after we came back. You know, so... But you still... I, yeah. I, pro- I promised his mom that I'd bring him back, and I did. He didn't yeah. fully come back. Um, But yeah, I absolutely regret not going and speaking to his mother. And at this point, too much time has passed. I don't... The, I don't know, you know... They, they they probably have closure. They may have moved on. Well, I suppose you can never move on from <clears throat> losing a child, but I don't want to show up and stir problems. Do you know? Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I never... you might you might find that because <clears throat> you've got to remember your she's probably built up a relationship with you as well. You know because you said like you said you were you were on the phone multiple times. You know many times every time she was on the phone to him and it's maybe it will be the closure she may need because you know you did bring him home and you did what you you did what you said you would do and yes he didn't come home mentally but that's but look looking at it and like i've said before it's not there was the other things that have you know built on top and the prop the problem is with infantiers and people combat veterans and you know whatever the people and the thing that I, you know, I said, suicide is the bigger killer of men under forty, not not veterans. It's a killer of men. It's it's, a, it's an issue that we have in society, as a, as a whole. And being able to talk about our problems inside is something that we're not very good at as men. Women are great at it because you know they, they talk amongst themselves, but they also talk to my mum. Is talks to me all the time. Do I switch off a lot when she talks? Yes, and she kills me for it because. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do with men yeah. but you know at the end of the day it's something that we try to we, we shut everything off and we don't a it starts from not speaking about war and we don't speak about combat we don't speak about how it was like oh fuck you know how was your how was it fucking how was how did it make you feel but we, we don't we don't say those things and then when you get out and you have issues at home and you know you've got you know one of our lads who killed himself he recently he, he killed himself because i don't you know i don't know i'm not, I'm not going to say the reason i don't know the reasons why he killed himself but if you look at his family issues he, he was having uh, custody issues with his kids you know mm. so it, it all stems from that and it's trying to if we can encourage people to talk more about the harder things in life then when we get the other issues we already do you know what we've spoken about the tough shit so we can speak about this shit and and, you know for me my you know just i would if i was you i'd just maybe reach out to her and you know she's never gonna hold anything against you i would i would hope because it's you know this everyone's everyone problem is and the one one of the things i've said in the earlier everyone experiences trauma differently but everyone reacts to trauma differently and Yes, you went away on tour, but that's still a trauma, and you you react the way you react, and you maybe felt guilty and shut yourself away from her, but that's how you reacted. 
Well, we don't yeah. know how to react. I made I, I made that choice as a young adult. Um, yeah. You know, I, I did make a promise that if there is an afterlife, and should I ever see Parky again, I'm going to knock him the fuck out. <laughs> I, I, yeah. made, I made that I made that vow when I was in Italy. I, I said it to myself, and to now you now you know. But yeah. I said, yeah, if I ever see him again, if there is an afterlife, if if you ever meet those that matter in your life, I said, oh, I'm going to knock him the fuck out. Like the thing just, is, people. So I've, so I've spoken to people about it, and you know, my 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 views is suicide is a it's a selfish act. But when you're when you're in that position, you don't see it. You see it as a selfless act because the, I've I've never been in that position where I've wanted to take my life. And I know people that have, and they've said that when they're in that, all they can see, all they can think about is everyone's life would be better off without me. So mm. in their eyes, they see it as a selfless act, yeah. as the, the most selfless act they can. But in reality. You know, you speak to the family members of people who have like, oh, I've been in that position myself. When my mum died, my stepdad, he tried to kill himself. And, you know, my brother walked in and, you know, saw him fucking pills everywhere to try to try to kill himself with loads of pills. Yeah. Anyway, so we had to deal with that. And, and then afterwards, it's just you don't you kind of can't look at a guy the same because it's like he, he survived. He didn't kill himself. But, you know, we've just I've just lost my mum. Mm. You know, I was I was nineteen at the time. My brother was eighteen. You know, it was a matter of weeks after, and then you're just like, how, how, how would that have helped yeah. us? You know, we just had to lose our mum, and we've got, you know, we've got no other family really, and you just try to kill yourself, and we would have had to deal with, you know, I don't, I don't speak to the guy anymore anyway, but it's, how would, how would that have been for us? You know, nineteen, my sister was thirteen at the time, nineteen, eighteen, and thirteen. We just lost a mum. Yeah. How are we gonna lose? How are we gonna lose our fucking? Put up with another death. Exactly. But it's, you know, and one of the things is, oops, fucking sorry. <laughs> one of the things is just, yeah. You, when you when you've not been in that position, you you see it as a selfish act. But you know, they only see it as selfless. And I know what you're saying. If I you just want to fucking punch him in the face. Yeah, that that's that. That's me. It's that there's no instinct to hug him or ask him why or anything like that. The first thing that I want to do is just clock him because, yeah. you know, although, you know, his parents, his sister, and I know his younger sister. I think she named her baby after him, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, he he left. I know he found out it wasn't his child. Yeah. Well. It's still, you know, he was going to raise that child until he yeah. found out. And I, I don't know. I'm just, what he probably thought was the best way out, like you were saying there, selfless acts. He just, they just tends to leave a wake of misery for everybody else. Yeah. And, and, and that's the problem is, until, one of the things I've said in the past is, if people just reach out, there was, there was a post, there was this post that I posted, it was about, it was one of my mates was in this fucking massive tunnel ditch in, in Afghan. And one of the things, one of the thing I said was, you know, do you think we left him down there? Obviously, no. Fuck, it's because he couldn't have climbed down on himself because yeah. we'd have had to fucking lift him out. So do you think we left him down there? No. So why why would we leave someone in a hole now? So all, all if someone just reached out, if you just reach out to your mates, 
you'd be surprised. Like, I know, I know. You, you say you only speak to three people, right? Who, yeah. who, and I understand. This podcast has allowed me. I've, you know, I've, I've speak to a lot more people now. Yeah. But before it wasn't. It was very, very small. But I know if you went to your fucking every mate that you haven't seen in ten years, it would just be like, you know, like it was ten years ago. It's yeah. Like you, I, I met with Kiwi, one of my mates, with podcasts um a few episodes ago and i ain't seen him in fucking 11 years but honestly it was like we just carried on the conversation from 11 years ago it was like yeah yeah shit ain't changed and it will be like when you're trying to reach out to someone it'll be the same thing yeah well i mean i kind of to be honest i i try not to think about it and i know that's very unhealthy and i know that that's unhealthy like mm. i i know that and talking to somebody about it but i don't know maybe maybe i'll become a professional actor i can hold this as my cue to cry <laughs> yeah. you did it then mate so don't worry i mean that, that's one of the things i would like i had the episode with my, my mate daz and brought up a lot of shit that i didn't even know i had like i you know yeah. i was like fuck finished that episode and i was like oh, didn't even realize that was in there with you know, and I think people, there, there, there'll be people that say, oh, fucking, I'm a warrior man. I don't need to fucking talk about shit. But you do, because fucking, it will come back here. That's it. It's not, it, it, it's not healthy. Now, granted, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, isn't healthy, but we still consume it. it. So knowing that I, I know that I have issues, you know, it, just thinking about it, makes me cry and you know i watched my granddad's funeral on thursday i couldn't be there because of lockdown they, they live stream yeah. love the man the bits did i cry no but mm. just talking about parky it's it, yeah it's not healthy i should talk about it with somebody but again maybe you have you know you have with me maybe yeah. you know you have with me and maybe that's a, a start of things and what I think a lot of people don't do is they don't talk to their family because a we don't feel we don't we don't want to burden them with, with the stuff that we've been through mm. you know and, and granted there's there's people that have been through far far more than me um especially on tour but i feel families are there because they want to they want to be they mm. want to know what you've been through they want to they yes they might not be able to like understand it but i feel they want to and, and maybe this podcast was to start to encourage people to just just open up a bit more to their family and friends yeah and i hope i hope so all right mate well I've, i appreciate your time and i know it's early in the morning there for you and and thanks for coming on my first skype yeah skype. And hopefully it records well um if not I'll, i guess we'll we'll try it again well if yeah i'll make it <laughs> I'm going to edit it today and tomorrow, and I'll probably break this computer. So if it doesn't come out, then I'll fucking break the computer. At least you know what you want for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, it's my missus' computer, so I've commandeered it. So oh, yeah. She'll kill me. Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt. All right, mate. Well, Wicked, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, mate. All right, cheers. And luckily, I didn't smash my computer and I was able to edit it properly. Well, as good as I can. Um... Yeah, like like I said, there was, was a few glitches, and I know the sound quality is not the best, but unfortunately, that's what the internet provides. 
hopefully I might be able to try do I'm going to try and do another Skype episode during lockdown and then after lockdown I've got a few in the pipeline getting uh, lined up so hopefully they'll come out as always if you give us a like on follow on Instagram and Facebook and if you want to get in touch with me it's at the real podcast at gmail.com and until next time lay low move fast and stay safe and I'll see you then